wizard, Harry. Welcome to the Harry Potter Book Club for The Half-Blood Prince with Jaya Shrestha, Michael DeMauro, and I'm Sarah Tompkins. This week, we talk about Chapter 20, Lord Voldemort's Request. We discuss the wizarding and witch world in America from the 17th century and beyond. And the Quizich Cup continues. Yeah. Let's do miscellaneous. Ah, she has stepped on me. I have with those things. Five times today. She has tiny flip-flops. Okay. <laughs> um, 200 miscellaneous. Okay. What request does Voldemort make of Dumbledore when he returns to Hogwarts after graduating? <laughs> He wants to be um, defense against the dark arts professor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Teacher professor. <laughs> you said that so fast. Oh my god. Correct. I also like blacked out for two seconds. <laughs> You're staring at me so intensely. <laughs> he, wants, he wants a corner room that has like two south facing windows. Okay. Um, could I do miscellaneous for 100, please? Mm hmm. Which was the only subject for which Hermione Granger did not receive an outstanding OW? <laughs> oh, that was Ooh, really audience. Close. Sarah, yeah. divination. I think she did it before it's not divination. the end of the question. Oh, oh go ahead. Wow, it's defense against the dark arts. It is. That was divination. It no, it's surprisingly. Oh, that was the whole she question. Didn't, she didn't take divination. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember that whole like kick the door open. You know thing? what? You know what? <laughs> Michael is correct. It was of course he is. Of that. course he is. <laughs> <laughs> Your face is so hot. I know. <laughs> All right, because I'm losing and my entire body is like, you need to explode. Okay. <laughs> Lord Voldemort's request. So Ron and Harry are both let out of the hospital because they're both in there for various reasons. Poisoning, bludgeoning, you name it. Hermione and Ron are friends again, guys. It just took a near-death experience. Please, if you're separated from your friends and going through a hard time, do not try to make it a near-death experience that brings you together. Just talk it out. Communication is great, guys. Harry also learns that Ginny and Dean are fighting. Oh, and that nice. monster does some more stuff in his chest because he's like, what? I don't like that. I don't like it. Don't. It's, it's very it's very personified because it like lifts up its head and it's like, what? I hate it. So It's real. It's real. So Harry's like, oh, um, <laughs> trying to be all silly. He's like, so Hermione, why are, uh, why are they fighting? Apparently Dean was laughing about getting hit in the head by Cormac McLaggen. And Ron is like, well, it is kind of funny. And Hermione's like, no, it's not. I side with them both in different ways, actually, on that one. Because I bet it did look pretty funny. Anyway, 
Ginny and and Dean have been fighting. Harry's like, well, they shouldn't break up over me. And Hermione's like, well, they didn't break up. And Harry's like, well, damn, I wish they did. He didn't say that part out loud, but he and his beast both he agreed. He sure thought it. And you know what? In thought as in deed, as they say in the Christian faith. Okay. As they're walking out of the hospital, or rather the um, infirmary, they run into none other than Luna Lovegood. Ron tells Luna that it was the best commentating he's ever heard. Luna thinks he's making fun of her, and he's like, no, I'm actually 100% serious. And they have, like, a kind little moment, and it's really sweet. Um, And then Luna actually has something for Harry. And it is, by the way, in my notes, I took some of these notes on my my phone, so it autocorrected. So it says, an invite to Fimbledorm's office. (laughs) 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 So Harry's going to go to Fimbledorm's office, uh, to Dumbledore's (laughs) office that night. Um, he's like, yes, I get to continue on with my training. Uh, and when Luna walks away, Ron's like, ah, she's a good one. She's fine. And Lavender Brown sees him and hears him. And she is not happy because he ignored her and she realizes it. So Uh-oh. she's like, Ron. And so he has to go over and talk to her. And Hermione and Harry are like, oh, oh we're just going to go over here. You you do your thing. Later that night at Rumbledore. This one says Rumbledore's office. At Rumbledore's (laughs) office. I love these surprises. What is it going to say next? (laughs) Fimbledore and Rumbledore. That was getting closer. Uh, Later at Dumbledore's office that night, Harry is going to like have his night, his little fun training night or whatever. Probably going to go and watch some more movies, some more brain movies. And he knocks on the door, but instead of having brain movies. (laughs) Yeah, you know, Dumbledore has the brain movies that they go and see it's like 4d though because they get to like live in it you know yeah um, of course. Pretty sweet. Or, or in the very least real d um so anyway so harry knocks on the door and dumbledore tells him to come in before harry can even open the door it swings open and it is professor trelawney and she is unhappy she's like oh is this why you're kicking me out for harry and dumbledore's like well first of all we're done talking but second of all harry did have an appointment and you have gone over um and he has this meeting room on reserve she apparently is all happy she leaves harry asks dumbledore if it's because she still hates uh Firenze, and he says yes and he doesn't know what to do with them because he doesn't even, like, understand divination at all, and he didn't do well in that class. This is Dumbledore speaking, not Harry. And he's like, I don't know what to do with the two of them, but I can't kick uh, I can't kick Trelawney out because she needs to stay here because she doesn't realize that she gave this, you know, prophecy. So she doesn't realize that she needs to stay here to be safe. So she's just going to be unhappy, I guess, forever because he's never going to tell that she did the prophecy, right? Anyway, oh. um, so they go into Dumbledore's office, and Dumbledore's like, yo, Harry, did you get me that thing I wanted? And Harry's like, uh, and Dumbledore's like, you know that cool memory from Slughorn that we had that I needed the better one of, because I wanted the unedited version. Uh, I need the explicit, not not the radio version. And Harry says, um, no, sorry. And he kind of shrugs it off. And Dumbledore's <laughs> like, whoops. Dumbledore's like, that's cool. I'm glad that you tried as hard as you possibly could and that you did everything in your power and that nothing could, else could have been done in this entire world oh, shit. to get this. <laughs> and Harry's like, well, um, so I thought that I could like go to his office and get it, but then Ron was poisoned uh, when we went there, and so I was kind of distracted. And Dumbledore's like, of course, your best friend was poisoned. Uh, that's totally, I expect that. And then when he got better, I bet you were totally like, you know what? I really need this thing. And Harry's like, well, I 
actually, I didn't really. I didn't. Oops. And then I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. I literally was just gonna say Dumbledore does the thing that's the worst thing that could be done, and he says, like, "I'm not mad at you, Harry. I'm just disappointed." Oh. And so Harry's like, "Ooh, I guess I gotta still try. I gotta try harder on this one." So after that awkward moment where Harry says he didn't really do his homework, uh, Dumbledore tells him about tonight's creature feature, which is courtesy of. Pokey the house elf. Uh, Yeah, we're going to get a little memory Mm -hmm. from a little house elf. But before we can see the memory, Dumbledore has to give him some exposition. (laughs) I do do have a question about this later. Hopefully I remember putting a pin in it. Oh, don't do it. Don't pull it, Michael. I know. Hey. Um, But anyway, so Dumbledore tells him that Voldemort was apparently, like his classmates, very concerned about what he was going to do after he graduated. Um, dark, Who isn't? Right. Dark lords, they're just like us. Um, <laughs> but anyway, some professors was like, were like, you should join the ministry. Others, uh, you know, had different ideas for him. Voldemort, Tom Riddle, wanted to stay at Hogwarts and become a professor. Weird. Very yeah. weird. And Dumbledore even says it's a little bit weird. So apparently, Tom asks uh, Dippet, who was then the uh, headmaster, if he can stay and teach. And Dippet's like, sorry, dude, you're 18. That's too young. Which I agree. That is too young to be a professor. And shouldn't you have some sort of graduate degree? I really think you should. They, I mean, I realize Experience, that they don't really have maybe. one, but still, right. Even a student teaching? I don't know. But anyway, so he says, yeah, you're too young, but you know what? Try again later. Whatever. Maybe you'll Goodbye. get it. Maybe you'll get it later. He is not happy about this, but he does get an internship of sorts or whatever at Borgen and Burks, which we all know is in... That, uh, yes. Is that... Well, I, I know what it is, but I, is that the best place to go if for an internship if you want to get into teaching later? Well, Harry's like, why would he want to go there? And Dumbledore says, I think it will make sense in just a minute. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. So, So I mean, you have to set up the story. Dumbledore is a... If anything, Dumbledore is a storyteller before anything else. So, he Mm. knows how to spin a yarn. So, um, after all that's out of the way, they take a jump into the memory. He sees Hokey, the little house elf... She's very, very tiny, um, and she's helping put shoes on this, like, bigger, older woman. The woman is Hepzibah Smith. She is super-duper rich. And apparently, she's awaiting the arrival of someone who she's very excited to see. I wonder who it could be. She's trying to get all fancy and all gussied up for this person. Who rolls in? Tom Riddle. He is looking fine, Harry notes. Harry does know it. He's very handsome many times, by the way. So he rolls in, and it is clear that Hepzibah is smitten with him. He is there on behalf of Borgen and Burks, and he's offering her a better price for some goblin armor that apparently she has. And she clearly doesn't really have any intention of selling anything to him at this point. But, you know, she clearly is also a regular of Borgen and Burks. She just likes to have Tom over. She likes to give him her little cakes. <laughs> and that's like... Not really a euphemism. She really just likes to feed him little cakes, even though she would like <laughs> to feed him little cakes. Um, Ew. I'm sorry. That was gross. But anyway, so she said, no, I'm not going to sell you that goblin armor, even though uh, Burke says that's a good price for it. But you're so, your talents are being wasted there. And I know that only you can appreciate these beautiful treasures I have. So can I show you something super, super duper secret that you can never tell anyone about? And he says, yes, absolutely, yes. So she asks Hokey to bring out her special treasures. 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 
Um, and as, as she brings these out, she's like, you must never tell Mr. Burke. I have no intention of ever selling these. And I don't even want him to know because he will be on this shit so fast. And I'm not going to sell anything. So the first object that she pulls out is this swanky looking goblet with some handles. And upon closer examination, Tom Riddle, but also Harry in the memory notices that there's a badger emblazoned on it. Hmm. Yes. And Tom's like, is this? And she says, yes, this belonged to Helga Hufflepuff herself. Um, apparently, Hepzibah is a distant descendant of Helga Hufflepuff. So she has this. So it's like an old family heirloom that she's never going to sell to anyone because it's priceless to her family. And she's like, oh, my family would be so appalled to know that I showed it to you. Um, and he's like, yes. And he gets this glint in his eye. He is like seriously eyeing it up. Next, there's this like little flat box that she has. She opens up this this like smaller flat box and she says, you know, Burke knows that I have this piece because I bought it from him and he definitely wants it back someday, but I still keep it very close and very secret. And when she opens it up, it is a golden locket. And mm. yeah, and Tom doesn't even hesitate, he doesn't even ask if he can touch it. He literally grabs the chain so he can look at it and he brings it up to his face and on the locket is Slytherin's mark. <gasps> oh yeah. boy. Apparently, the whole time Hepzibah's like given this, like just babbling on, and she's saying that Burke sold her, sold this to her, and said that he bought it from a ragged looking woman uh, who had oh, no, no idea of its true value. So it was oh, a steal. No. Mm. Which is pretty gross. So clearly she meant that she got it um, from Mayrope, right? And so mm -hmm. this time Voldemort, a gay time riddle, whatever, is definitely interested in that thing. And he is literally, Hepzibah sees a red gleam in his eye at that point, And she's kind of freaked out by it. But also spooky. maybe it turned out. I can't tell. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So she's like, yeah, all of these have amazing enchantments on them, but I've never done anything about it. I just, you know, I just keep them all locked up so nobody can see them. I spend all this money on them and just hide them away. Makes no sense, but whatever. Rich people, Seems right? Dumb. They do that all the time. So then Hepzibah asks Hokey to lock up the treasures again, and that's the end of the memory. But, uh, Dumbledore pulls Harry out of it. But then Dumbledore in his true storyteller dramatic fashion goes, two days later, Hepzibah was dead. Uh, <gasps> yeah. It's pretty wild. Um, apparently, she was dead, obviously. Uh, but Hokey was convicted of accidentally poisoning her. Um, Excuse me? Yeah. Hmm. Apparently, she eventually confesses that she remembers putting something in her evening cocoa, but it's all really fuzzy in Hokey's head. And Harry, like, this sounds real suspect even to Harry, who not only is just kind of slow on the uptake, but he literally is just bludgeoned, bludgeoned, bludgeoned in the head. Um, but he even can see that Voldemort modified this poor house elf's memory yeah. uh, to cover up his own murders. And Dumbledore's like, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too. Glad we're on the same page. Apparently once he had all of the, he had the goblet and he had the locket, he pieced out of Morgan and Burks real fast and no one sees him again for a long time. Uh, Dumbledore says that he thinks that these, this was his first murder since murdering all the riddles. Uh, he doesn't have any evidence of that, but he thinks so. But he was saying that it was sort of a marked difference because where the riddles were a revenge killing, this is simply because he wanted something. He wanted those artifacts. This wasn't he about wanted those trophies. Yeah, this wasn't this wasn't a revenge. He wasn't angry at her. He just wanted her stuff. And then he says that he has one more memory that they should examine tonight. 
This one is 10 years after that memory. Mm. This is where you insert the dream. You're like... Flashback noise, right? Um, so, flashback 10 years. Uh, they're in Dumbledore's office. Dumbledore is sitting at his desk. He doesn't look all that different from the current Dumbledore. He's maybe a tiny bit younger, and his hand isn't crispy. So he's He just like, looks more like <laughs> Jude Law, like between Jude Law and... Michael Gambon, yeah. maybe, but I think more toward the Gambon side, but just with, like, okay. totally uncrispy hands. Okay. Um... <laughs> Crispy hands. So are anyway, the worst. so there's a knock on the on the door, and in comes Voldemort. Um, it's technically Tom Riddle, obviously, but even Harry can tell that he looks like a little bit different than the last time, like that ten years ago. He's, you know, his cheeks are more hollow, more sallow. He's not that creepy lizard face yet, but he's he's clearly fallen into some bad shit, you know. Done done some mm. stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's not. He's done not some crack or meth um, or. But, More right, but but Voldemort wel- or Voldemort, but Dumbledore welcomes him in, and so clearly Tom has an appointment on the books, you know, which is fine. So he's evil, but he's not rude. Right, he knows he's still British when it comes down to it, you know. <laughs> um. Anyway, so the first thing that he does is insult Dumbledore for staying at Hogwarts. He's like, "You're so smart. Why are you still doing it? This shithole. I thought you would be like you've been asked like to be the Minister of Magic, like." A couple times, and Dumbledore says, oh, three times right now, but I want to stay here to mold young minds, blah, 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 blah. He's like, okay, well, you're too great of a wizard for that. And then he's like, by the way, I want a job here. Now, I don't want to tell you how, how to do this, Tom, but that is not how you interview. <laughs> like, interviewing 101, you do don't- I want a job here. Yeah, you don't insult the person and their job and then ask for a job at that same place of employment. It's not a great way to start. Anyway. Um, he's like, I want to work here. I want to come back here. When Dippet was here, he told me I was too young. Now I'm back. This is when he said to apply later. I'm applying later. Hopefully you still have my resume in the books. Dumbledore, though, he says, well, uh, wouldn't. He's like, first of all, he's like, well, Tom. And he says, and Tom says, I believe people call me. Uh, and before he can even finish, Dumbledore's like, I know what people call you, Tom. I'm not going to call oh, you that. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's called a power move. Dumbledore has definitely taken and given seminars about power moves. Um, but he's like, uh, but Tom, wouldn't all of your Death Eaters miss you? <gasps> and Tom is surprised because he doesn't, he really doesn't think that Dumbledore would know all this intel. But Dumbledore literally knows that not only does he have Death Eaters who, uh, Voldemort refers to as friends, but, you know, he's like, well, I thought there were more of like, your followers, you know, kind of thing. Um, but but not only does he know about the Death Eaters, Dumbledore knows the names of the Death Eaters who have followed Tom to, they went to Hogsmeade, they're sitting in Hogsmeade right now waiting him for to interview for this position. And Dumbledore even knows that. And he's like, how do you know this? And he's like, oh, well, you know, bartenders, talk, we're all good friends, that kind of thing. So um, know. he's like, well, no, they're the my friends, bartenders. they wouldn't miss me, you know. And Dumbledore says, no, I did. I'm not hiring you. You ain't working here. And, you know, Voldemort doesn't like that. And Dumbledore's G-T-F-O. like... GTFO. But also, why the hell would you want to? It, it, you clearly don't want to enlighten young minds. What purpose do you have for wanting to be at Hogwarts? Voldemort can't really give him a good answer other than that he just wants to be there. And he's really upset. And he kind of storms out. And Harry asks, you know, like, he's like, well... 
you know, he really wanted the defense against the dark arts position, right? Is that, that's true, correct? Like, even though you said that he, there was no real reason he wanted to be at Hogwarts. And Dumbledore was like, yeah, I don't know why he wanted to be at Hogwarts. However, he definitely wanted the defense against the dark arts position because ever since I turned him down for that, no one has lasted longer than a year in that position. Is it a curse? It's a curse. It's maybe a curse. It's and a curse, Harry. They leave the memory, and that is the end of the chapter. Oh. Amazing. What was your question? Do you remember it still? I do remember it. If I go okay. up there and look at the thing, and now I don't actually remember it. Hold on. Oh, my God. No, wait. Hold on. It'll come to me. Oh. Why? Dumbledore gives all this exposition for all of these things. Like, What's the point of diving into the memory if Dumbledore could just be like, yeah, this is all stuff that happened? Like, Harry's going to believe him anyway, right? Yeah, but That's I mean... no fun. There's always good in getting it some is. background. It's, it is no fun. But at the same time, he's like, and this and this and this. Now let's go see this thing that I could just tell you about in five seconds. I mean, I guess I guess it's then Harry would have to take it on word. visual. I yeah. guess. I guess. I mean, would you rather me tell you how um, the series of Lost happened, or would you rather watch it yourself? Definitely the first one. Oh, dang <laughs> it. Do you know how much time that would save me? It's, okay, I, I choose I, the wrong spoiler, series. <laughs> spoiler alert, I, I, I know that the ending is an allusion to story <laughs> or whatever. Okay. You just uh, ruined it for so many people! They've Why had 10 you years! That? It's Mitch, actually bleep been that longer out. than that. Yeah, Mitch, probably. can you just bleep it out? Just like everything around the word per you should just bleep that word that I just said, in oh, fact. Gotta, gotta bleep it again! Bleep it! Bleep it! Bleep! Bleep, bleep. Um, okay. Uh, so, well, before I ask my other questions, new things, we met Hepzibah Smith, who was a rich descendant of Helga Hufflepuff, who had not only Helga Hufflepuff's goblet, but she also had um, Slytherin's locket. Mm-hmm. So that's basically all she's good for. And she had Hokey a house elf as her loyal house elf. Um, and she was smitten I think with Hokey would, Tom Riddle. Hokey was so cute and I would want to hug her. Yes. And then the other new thing, because we've already seen this, the locket, right? Because we learned all about that in the flashbacks to the riddles. But we did find out about Helga Hufflepuff's goblet. So it's interesting that there are two creation or two things that belong to two of the founders of Hogwarts. Mm. Huh. Very interesting. That Voldemort wanted. So interesting. Yes. For hmm. what reason? So my first question was, why does Dumbledore need that memory from Slughorn? Like, why does he need it? It's really obvious that, like, because of this dubbing over, he's like, I know nothing about that. You shouldn't, like... It's very clear that he told him about Horcruxes. Why does he need that that proof to, in order to explore? Is there a specific reason that he needs that exact memory unadulter- adulterated? It's, I, yeah, that's a I fair question. I don't think he needs it, but I think it's the same thing of, like... Sure wants He doesn't... It. Well, he doesn't... He can assume things because he's smarter than everyone else, but... He also has at some time said, like, he's smart, but he still needs affirmation, maybe? Yes, but, um, but at the same time, but at the same time, like, the reason, the reason he wants to get it right is so that they can pursue this idea or this, this whole, 
uh, destruction of Horcruxes. And clearly he has a crispy hand. He already knows that there's some, like, why don't, like, it's not, it's a hypothesis that he seems to have already tested and figured out. Why does he need that? And like, and, and again, even just that memory doesn't say like, I definitely did. That's not, it's not Tom Riddle or Voldemort saying, I am going to create Horcruxes. So it still is a leap of like, it's still an assumption based on information. If it wasn't for Harry, I don't think he would have tried to do this, but I think it is his way of getting Harry involved as in like, this is part of your destiny it still is weird situation. that he's asking a kid to, like, bribe it a teacher. It is, but, I mean, yeah, he's already agreed. a pig for slaughter, so. Okay. Well. I think he's just, I think it's his way of involving Harry and whether or not that's right, whether or not that is problematic, which it is. But it is. I think it is way a way for him to involve Harry in, like, being like, okay, this is your, like, I have done all of the other uh, things that I, we need in this goal in finding the horcruxes this is what you need to do with the seventh one so right. this is your final step which is not great because he's a child right and it is it would have been a lot easier for dumbledore to just be like hey i'm a great wizard i'm just gonna take this out of your brain which is also problematic in its own self but yeah i think it's just way his way of i guess maybe he could have gotten harry involved in a an easier one yeah, just like an icebreaker activity or something. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so that was my first question. My second question is, why are house elves tried in the same court as witches and wizards? They're treated as an inferior species until literally they're brought to court and then treated exactly like equals and then punished in the Here same means. Here we go. Another spew thing. Literally, Harry, well, he makes a comment. I didn't include this in my recap, but he does make a comment about when he hears that Hokey got, got tried and, and accused and convicted of poisoning her mistress. He's like, Man, I understand. I understand Spew now. I get what Hermione's talking about. He literally yeah. says that. So he has like a little bit of an awakening there. But really, like, that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is very fucked up. It's like when slaves are tried in regular courts, I guess, or not, or during the civil um, rights movement, or before that, uh, people were tried by all white juries and they were like yeah you yeah that's fair yelled at maybe a white woman now you have to die yeah goodbye forever it's fucked up man it's not great it's fucked up anyway michael why would you support this i don't he said it's not great we're all in agreement I said that it's, it's bad. not great yeah he thinks it's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not good. It's great. It's not good. Oh, Jesus. They're great. Um, Mitch, just cut that part out and let's use it hey. for other things. Um, you can bleep that part and just pretend that he's talking about the f- lost. Uh, anyway, guys, that's my chapter and those are my questions. Hey, thanks for your chapter. Thanks. Way it's to too, go, it's Sarah. too bad that Michael thinks slavery was great. Yeah, let's. There. <laughs> Don't hurt him for We we found the line. And, <laughs> and there, there it, is. it is. Michael's like, no. Vijaya. Oh, no. Hey, do you want to talk about other persecutions? Yes, because we all hate let's, persecution. 
Let's go All to segment. All of us here at Potterpod <laughs> hate uh, injustice. You know, universally. <laughs> Let's go. Y'all want to know about witchcraft in America, 17th century plus? Whether you not you want to, I'm going to tell you all, so just sit your asses down. Wow. My, my okay. body's sitting down. Should I lie down? <laughs> Get under the ground. <coughs> Do you have a shovel? Dig yourself a hole. Bury yourself. Anyway. Yeah. Guess what? 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 After what? we left off from the history of North America, uh, magic in North America, America last time. Well, it wasn't really last more, time. It was like the time before last time, right? It was like a few episodes ago. Um, more um, nomad Europeans uh. began to emigrate to the New World. Wouldn't, um, they, wouldn't they just be muggles? And then when they crossed over the like look, m- the Mason Dixon, they became nomads or something. I don't ask these questions. Um, I'm just going to call them no badges. Oh, please do. We love that. It doesn't sound gross at all. So they came to America. They started settling North America. They had a variety of reasons why they left their countries, countries of origin, just like no no badges or muggles, if you want to call them that. I'm from America, so I'm going to call them nomads. Um, I'm patriotic, you guys. So, <laughs> some were driven because they were like, yes, adventure, new world, blah, blah. And, but most were running away. They were from running their away problems. from problems. Yes. Um, they were running over, away from persecution from other nomads. Um, and sometimes their fellow witches and wizards, because they had problems with people, but also some were just criminals that they, that were running away from authorities. They all went to Australia. Sorry, Australian listeners. That's not a This is North America, Sarah. Jesus. I just said it. (laughs) Then they all went to Florida. Sorry. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Um, and they all call Florida man now. So the ones that were uh, running away from the authorities were trying to like blend in with the increasing tide of nomads slash muggles and hide mm-hmm. among also the Native American wizarding population, mm-hmm. um, which they were like the Native American wizarding population were like, oh, hello and welcome our fellow wizarding people. Yeah, because they're nice and welcoming and then they probably betrayed them. Well, yeah, probably. Um so the people, the wizarding community that moved over here, realized that the new world was harsher than their the world that they left them uh, that they left uh, for three main reasons. First, cannibalism. They had, they had well, no. Eventually, wow, we'll just talk about Jamestown later. Don't worry about it. Oh, this was seventeenth century. Oh, so, so that was later than Jamestown. Yeah. Those babies, yeah. what wussies. So this is uh so they came from a country that had like amenities I guess in quotations to one that didn't have many. Uh so they had to make them themselves. Back home they could have just gone to any apothecary and been like, "Hey, can I have boomslang skin or 
that's another thing. Robitussin? I have Newt. I have Newt. Uh, But here, they had to forage themselves for magical plants that they were unfamiliar with. And there were also no established wand makers. Um, Ilvermorny School of Witchcraft and Witchcraft. Witchcraft and wizardry was just like a shack you're right wi- now. You're witchcraft. I am witchcraft. And then <laughs> secondly, um, the non-mag... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I just like... Non-mag sounds better than no-mag. Um, the, the no-mages in this world made like the people that were non-magical in their country... Like, they kind of, like, looked at them, like, being like, I remember, these people are, like, trying to kill us, while they, those people are only trying to jail us. So they, like, almost had, like, a romantic view of the non-magical people of their homeland, well, whereas the non-magic people in America now are, like, trying to kill them, I guess. Um, hmm. So there was conflict developing between the immigrants and the Native American population, uh, which struck a blow in the unity of the magical community, community because, like I said, the Native American magical community uh, welcomed them, but then, like, they had tension between, like, the white folks and the, uh, the immigrants, I guess, and the Native American folks. And then the Puritans were like, fuck, no, I don't like this occult shit, so we're going to try to um, persecute you all, basically. And then came what they call the Scourers, which were people in the wizarding community who tried to find people to turn in as witches and wizards so they could get money. Oh. So they would, like, hunt down. They not, started not, off, even, not even to, like, throw, throw suspicion off them, but to just get money? Yeah. So they started off as, like, trying to find wizarding uh like wizards and witches that were criminals and then they were like oh we can get money by just turning people in for being witches and wizards and just saying yes this is a person that was a criminal and then there they just became increasingly corrupt and then uh they had no authority like they there was nothing that was above them that was like keeping them in check so there were a lot of people that they turned in that were not even wizards and witches. Not that that was not that was okay that they turned in witches and wizards. And then um, they just kind of multiplied over um, America in the 17th century. And they were even passing off innocent nomads as wizards to collect rewards. Hmm. Huh. And then the famous Salem witch trials happened, during which even two, at least two of the judges in the Puritan Puritan, uh, what is it called? Uh, this, the Salem Colony? Puritan Judge Panel. Sorry. Okay. Um, two uh, of the judges are uh, known scourers. Um, they were paying off feuds, and they just, they were just being corrupt. A number of the dead included witchers, witchers, witches, although they were innocent of the crimes, but the most, but most of them were no matches, which... I remember Hermione writing a, an essay about the Salem witch trials where they were like, oh, it didn't really hurt the witches because there was only, there was also a witch that liked it so much that the fire right. only tickled her. But, yeah. you know, this is here and there. 
she thought about things later. So Salem was also significant within the magic community for reasons far beyond the tragic loss of life. Um, it made a lot of witches and wizards flee America. It never... So this made people go from America to like uh, North America to Europe, Asia, and Africa. Pure blood families never moved over here. So because of that, a lot of the wizarding families in America are like non-match born wizards or witches who started their own magical families. So they're not like that into pure blood families just like Europe or anywhere else. Don't worry, they'll probably, de- they'll probably develop it eventually. Probably. Probably. Um, so the most significant effect of the Salem um, witch trials was the creation of... <laughs> sorry, a bug just went into my face. <laughs> the creation of black. <gasps> that, that bug does not want you to speak about Salem. That is the ghost of Cotton Mather come to haunt you. Anyway, <laughs> the most significant effect of Salem was the creation of... The Magical Congress of the United States of America in 1693, predating the non-mag version of of it by around a century. It is pronounced Makuza. I think that is how it's pronounced. Makuza. Yes, I think so. Anyway, so that was the first time the North American wizarding community came together to create laws for themselves. They're establishing a magical magical world within a nomad world. They Their first task was to put um, the scours on trial who betray their own kind. Um, those convicted of murder, of witch trafficking, torture, and all of the manners of cruelty were executed for their crimes. Yikey, yeah. Sarah wants you to be executed. I will. But I wouldn't. Maybe you will. I don't know. Um, just not by, not just not by stones. Don't, don't crush me. That's all she asked. That's all I ask. So just like um, some of the Death Eaters that eluded justice, um, several of the most notorious scours also eluded justice. International warrants out for their arrest. They vanished permanently into the non-mage community. Some of them married non-mages. Or sorry, no-mages. I've been calling it non-mages. No-mages and founded families where, like, it seems like they're magical abilities have been were at least like drowned out for a few generations to maintain um their cover but some of the vengeful scourers uh cast out from their cast out from their people pass their vengeance down onto their descendants and um they are still trying to gain get their revenge and they think that uh, witches and wizards ought to be exterminated wherever they are found. Aww. That's not I great. Know, that's, that's sad. So, American magical historian Theophilus Abbott has identified several of those families, each with a belief in magic and a great hatred for it. Uh, it may be because they have anti-magic beliefs and activities of the Scarra families, but they just think that they think that they are harder to fool and hoodwink on the subject of magic than most of the population. And there, there has had been very far reaching repercussions on the way of the 
American wizarding community is governed. Oh. That is 17th century and beyond. So did they like... Is, sorry, there is, a, there is another... There are two more chapters to the story that will be coming in this season. Um, that'll be 1920s Wizarding America and a law that they passed. Ooh. Cool. The good old days. The days of the... the old, that's what I call them. The days of the speakeasies and something else. Whatever happens. The Roaring Twenties. Um, do they what say, do they say, like, uh, maybe I missed it in the Salem piece. Do, were there, like, were the people who were executed in the Salem witch trials, did they say whether they were actually witches or wizards or not? So the Scourers were witches and wizards. And I think, I think they were both. Okay. Like, non and yes, they were just trying to make money. It, but, but because they were, like, quote unquote, persecu- persecuted because they were Scourers and they were, like, trying to fuck people over. And they were getting driven out that they just like, even if they were witches and wizards, they just, uh, they just started hating their own kind. Right. So some people who were executed were witches. Some people were not. Yes. But they just started hating their, the witches and other witches and wizards because they were getting persecuted because they were bad people. The scourers were not the other people because they were, they were turning their own people over. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's not cool, dude. It's not fun. Well, thanks anyway for talking about stuff that's not fun. Yeah. You're welcome. That's my segment for you. Don't be a scourer. Don't fuck over your own people. Unless they deserve it. Maybe. I don't know. Good job, Bajaya. Thanks, Thanks, Bajaya. You're welcome. is Mitch Cahill. Our artwork was done by Jesse Carlton and our music was done by Sean Fagan. I know you want to help us out, so why don't you head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. And also, send us an email so we can talk to you. You can do that by emailing us at potterpod at geeklyinc.com. Hey, I know you all want to keep talking to us, so find us on Twitter at potterpod. I'm Michael and you can find me at 13nerd. I'm Sarah, and you can find me at Her Lady Tompkins. And I'm Bajaya, and you can find me at Ethnic Ninja. Yo, y'all want to know about seven sex sexury? <laughs> I don't want to know about the sexing sexes. <coughs> well, I died. It's Vijaya's segment. She gets to did do whatever just, she wants. Did you just wants. clear your throat with wine? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a girl. That's a girl. <laughs>